Previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Now, I think I have the right hotkey for this audio. If not, I'll apologize and we'll find it. But here is, I believe, what Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt had to say after Ohio State called the second time out with 38 seconds remaining. No, that's Kevin Harlan. All right, I apologize. That's Kevin Harlan on Lamar Jackson, which you can... MVP Lamar Jackson? No. Yes? Yeah. Okay, well, you're going to join the legion of people who are going to have to retract all these stupid Lamar Jackson MVP things when he turns out to be Robert Griffin III, the second. If, but he still can be the MVP. He, he, Russell Wilson won the MVP, my name. All right, let me try again here on Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson. I'm getting you all flustered right now. Yes, you got me all flustered. How can you not vote that guy for the MVP? Because I mean, I've have you not watched? Our, have I've you watched seen, him play? I've watched. I watched him Sunday. I wanted to watch him. And what'd you think? Um, I think a year from now, teams are going to have him figured out. Okay, that's what I think. I think he's decent. I'm talking but he about, does not look like right now. He's playing very well. Is he the MVP right now? No, Russell Wilson. You're is. you're crazy. No. Russell Wilson is. That's not to take anything away from Russell Wilson, but this guy is doing things at the NFL level that hasn't been done ever in the history of the NFL. The MVP's Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, okay. figuring out how to Yeah, because Greg's manage, out there doing that. Figuring out how Greg's to manage that limited talent in the pocket. <laughs> Are you That's, kidding me? Greg, no, I'm not kidding Greg, you. Greg's out there making NFL uh, defenders look like little leaguers. I'm That's st- right. That's, give it to my, Greg. I'm sticking to my guns on this one because I'm taking the long view. The long view. I'm in a, I, I, to coin a phrase, I'm in a five-hour delay on picking uh, Robert Griffin III <laughs> yeah. as MVP. Well, okay. I am Speaking back. Of, I'm so happy to be back. I mean, I, I know I missed the last two Mondays and missed last Friday, but we're back now and I'm excited to be back. Look, I don't want to, I don't want to bury anybody, but it's just the only thing I want from a company, mm-hmm. if there's a problem, just be honest and the airline, I'm not going to bury the airline, but the airline that I fly in, uh, I found out wasn't honest. And I actually did a Bruce Hooley thing, something I never Uh-oh. do. Uh-oh. We're going to have to ask for repentance no, at the end of no, the podcast. No, 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 because I was I was very nice. Um, I actually emailed the company and uh, received a phone call. Okay. And I told them what went wrong. And I, I never complain. I've never done this in my life, but I, I found out that I wasn't, they weren't being completely truthful. That's bothersome. In response, I, I received two uh, $200 vouchers mm. for said airline. And um, I said, well, why don't you take it and do. <laughs> then you really did <laughs> no, the person. No, why don't you take it and put it toward. <laughs> You know, managing your business. <laughs> that was that. You got that from me, right? Yeah. There yeah. oh, we go. But I did. Uh, uh, I decided to use those as Christmas gifts. So nice. it was. Uh, well, we'll appreciate that. Thank well, you. it was disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you like to fly said airline. <laughs> we, so. we fly said airline to Arizona twice yeah. a year. Yeah. Well, it's my last time, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Very good. So this week, uh, Chicago. Yeah. How okay. about that? Chicago and New York and. I'll be watching Big Noon Saturday on Fox. 
with Gus and Joel on the call. Wow. Get your choice of three live pregames on Saturday. You got the big noon kickoff, you got the ESPN game day, and you got the Big Ten, whatever they call their little. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I um, am actually in meetings at that time, and we usually break meetings uh, at noon, so I won't be able to watch any of those pregame shows. I don't know how. I mean, I know ESPN game day is a, is a staple and yeah. certainly part of a lot of people's Saturday, but I, I think Urban has been uh, a cool. tremendous plus to that lineup with Rob Stone, Brady Quinn, Reggie Bush, and Matt Leinart. And uh, they're making a dent. They are making a dent. I don't know if they're ever going to catch game day, but they're certainly making a dent into it. Well, one of the things I like about Fox is just the set's not as crowded. Uh, I think it's too crowded. I don't think they need uh, Matt Leinart because you have a quarterback in Brady Quinn, and Mm -hmm. I don't have anything against Matt Leinart. I just think it's one extra person you don't need. Game day is just cluttered up. There's just too many people, and I don't have a problem with any individual people no. on game day, but I don't think you need Desmond and Pollock and on and it's on a, and on. Yeah, you you, you need Herbie. Show, you though. need Herbie, you need Reese, you need Corso, and you need one other person. Well, I think you just need Coach Corso for segments. He's yes. only on for segments anyway, right? Yes. He's not on yes. there the whole time. Yes. So. Yes. But it's good. I mean, I, I'm uh, whatever is promotes – the game and promotes Ohio State and Penn State and all that. And I think what game day has done has been remarkable for college football as no a whole. No and no they've no. done a great job with it. And I think Fox saw the the potential and uh, to be able to get Urban Meyer in there, who's done a great job. And if Fox is going to make a play into the college football market, which they have done, by mm-hmm. the way, they've yep. made a huge dent. And uh, I, I get calls from friends at ESPN that – used to do all these games, and like Ohio State, Penn State might be the number one game, but there would be four other games that ESPN and ABC would do mm-hmm. that Fox has taken that inventory, and it's like, what game? I ask these guys, what game do you have? And, and they're almost like embarrassed to tell me. Yeah. And I go, well, what's going on? And they said, well, your company has taken all the good games, and they've done a great job with it. So it's uh, it's been kind of interesting, and nothing like capitalism and nothing like competition to weed it out. That's right. Uh, would you like for me to give you, uh, for you to take to your bosses at Fox what I think they could do to improve their sure. college football coverage? Sure. I think what ESPN does is, um, what what? let me say, they don't do it perfectly, but they do it better than Fox at this point. What's that? Is that ESPN isn't rooting for their properties the way Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt root for, and Tim Brando, too. Uh, root for to an almost ridiculous degree really? their properties. Yeah, Clad is way too bootlick on uh, the Big Ten and uh, Tim Brando. And the the way it comes to light with Tim Brando is Tim used to be with CBS, and mm-hmm. I think Tim's a talented broadcaster. But he used to be with CBS, and back then he was all about Alabama. Now, this year he's with Fox, and he is anti-Alabama. He's mm-hmm. going over the top on Alabama doesn't belong. I don't follow in. what they're— Yeah, I just—I know you don't. I'm just saying, I think— you During know, a broadcast the, or during— Yes, during a broadcast, on Twitter, all that. I think oh. the thing that I—the reason I respect Herbie, and it's not easy taking on—he doesn't take him on. He just—Herbie— gives it down the middle, and sometimes that aggravates the Ohio State fan base because they think he ought to be more. And Joey Galloway's trending toward uh, being more uh, uh, objective than he has been in the past. Yeah. is And so, you know, that's my thing as a journalist, which I know it's dead in journalism now. Well, I don't know about that. I think Clatt and Gus go. And Gus is just – Gus has become a caricature of Gus. Mm-hmm. And so I just dial it back a little bit and be a little bit more down the middle. And I'd like Joel – you always say good analyst – and again, these are my words, not yours. You always say a good analyst doesn't tell me what, tell me why. why. Right. Gus just makes the or uh, 
Joel Klatt just makes these wild pronouncements without telling me why. This guy is this. This guy is this. This guy is this. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me why. Yeah. Tell me why you think that. I would like. That's how I believe they could improve their. Oh, all right. Well, I'll pass that on. I'm you pass I'll, that along I'll, to the person who complained about me saying they owed Maryland an apology. Okay. <laughs> or I'll text him. <laughs> well, I mean, I like I offer. I I'm open to advice on how I can get better. Just a little feedback. No, I I mean I'm open to it, and I I find that a lot of play by play guys or people over the years of twenty years doing this. Mm-hmm. They get a little sensitive. Sideline reporters get a little sensitive. Usually the analysts that are coaches or players, ex-coaches or players, are open to feedback and say, okay, well, what do you like that I do? And where, in your opinion, do you, do you think I can be better? And I get feedback all the time. And I appreciate it. One of the things that, that uh, was happened to me recently, and I take it seriously, and actually, actually I've made an adjustment, Bruce. You'll like this. I mm-hmm. put on my chart in a highlighter so it doesn't cover up my notes to be more positive emphasize the good plays as opposed to Mm -hmm. why was it a good play as opposed to why was it a bad play and that's something that i've been working on and getting better with so uh that's something uh that a person told me and i looked at it objectively i went back and watched two of my games and i after i was done i called that person and i said you're exactly right and the other thing I need to do is need to lay out a little bit more. I don't need to analyze every single play. And I've done better at that probably since the beginning of the year. I've been more more aware of that. So a lot of it's so subjective, though. It, yeah. and it depends on, too, the, what the directive is from the uh, top. Nobody ever, ever tells me what to say or what to sell. Mm-hmm. Nobody has ever done that at ESPN or at Fox, they just say, "Hey, you might want to look at it from a more positive point of view," and I say, "You're exactly right on that." So, but I've never been told what to say. I've never been told in college football to root for "quote unquote" properties or put a positive spin on the properties mm-hmm. that we have. I have been told, and I have no problem doing this. Promoting, like SmackDown, was a big deal oh, for sure. Fox. That's, that's and, fine. <clears throat> and since I have a history, a little bit of a history yeah. with wrestling, I promote that and have fun with it, but. As far as being told how to do my job uh, or what to say, what not to say, what to bring up, what not to bring up, I've never been told what to do. Now, I've been corrected. This You'll find this. I, I think we talked about this on the radio last year. Uh, I said something um, about a female coach, and I said the word female, and I've been told that I wasn't allowed to use the word female. I must use the word woman. Which I never heard of, but never I was. Heard of that either I remember talking about that. You remember that? Yeah, I do. Which oh, I, th- yeah, I, I, I thought was fascinating. Um, another issue that came up this year, and I didn't even think about it. And I, you know, the last thing I ever want to do is I want I don't want to offend anybody, which is very difficult to do when you're when you're speaking live no, all the impossible. time. It's impossible to do because right. you're going to offend yeah. somebody. So, in this one game I was doing uh, this year. Two things happened this year. Uh, one, this one game that I was doing this year, um, this team came out and in the first half couldn't get anybody open. So they were playing against a, a man-to-man defense. Mm-hmm. So the adjustment that was made, and I said this coming out of the house, okay, if I'm this particular team, I'm attacking this defense at halftime, what I'm going to do is come out and I'm going to run a bunch of man beaters. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And I got a call. 
I couldn't. I can't say man beaters because that might be offensive Cons- yeah. to somebody. Yeah. And I, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. What do you mean? Well, I didn't put into my like domestic violence or, yeah. or I didn't say woman beaters. I no. said they're running man beaters and coverage beaters. Yeah. That that's well. Then you know I I did it again because I noticed it and I was man, man route. They're running man route beaters, I said, or man defeat, coverage beaters. Uh, patterns to defeat man coverage. I, I uh, mean, so, I mean, that's the things that yeah. I have to be careful of. And the other thing I was, was there was a guy that um, was trying to suck. He played a, played a game with a broken arm, played three quarters with a broken forearm. And I said, look, in, in the NFL, and if it's, and you know my rule as a player, and I try to be very honest in what players yep. say and what goes through their mind in a locker room. And, you know, I've been around this game a long time, mm-hmm. so I know the language. So I said, look, in, in for the rule for me and a lot of guys that I played with, if it's a lower body injury, you can't run. You cannot play at certain positions. And this guy happened to play a position where he had to do a lot of running, and he and if it's lower body, you can't play because if you you either hurt your team or you get embarrassed, or if you can't run full speed, it's not going to happen for you. But there was an upper body injury, and they said, "Look, in in the NFL, there's Doctor Feelgood. You go in, you take the needle, you're fine. You know, oh as long." And, and so I got a call on that saying that I got to be careful of. I don't. I don't want to get a call from New York saying that you're promoting uh, drug use. Drug use, right? I, I just, I, I, and my intention was, and the guys that they're telling me this are they? They had. They're looking out for me. They're right. not criticizing me. They're looking out for me, and I told I'm, I appreciate that, and mm-hmm. and I just have to do a better job instead of sitting here mowing. Oh my gosh, everybody's offended. I just got to do a better job of recognizing how I present the message now the good thing on a podcast i'm i'm not edited or limited no, to what i say but no, we don't. but but again i it's not like they're ever telling me what to say it's more you know you just got to be careful nowadays chris of how you say things yeah. and they're exactly right they are exactly right because i work for them they don't work for me that's right that's right uh, before we get into Penn State and Ohio State, it's a noon kick. That means tailgating. And that means Stover Farms Custom Meats. And I talked to Trevor Stover yesterday, father of Cade Did Stover. Did he reinstitute the promise guarantee of Did if you eat Stover Meats, your kid will get a Division One scholarship? No, but we chatted about Cade's move from linebacker to defensive end. Wow. Cade's going to be a defensive end at Ohio State. Big 6'5". Yeah, boy. Like they're, so if like you they don't Stover, have enough of those. <laughs> if you eat Stover Meats, you get to grow to so, be 6'5". Yeah, and be a first-round pick as an NFL defensive end in a couple of years. So here's the deal. Uh, you're cooking burgers on the grill on Saturday. Stover Farms Custom Meats will give Spielman and Hooley listeners a free pound of hamburger uh, for every pound you buy. Buy one, get one. Stover Farms Custom Meats retail location is in Powell, Presidential Parkway. Uh, real easy to find, just off Sawmill, right at the Circle K. And so go in, buy a one-pound package of uh, Stover Farms certified Angus beef hamburger, ground beef, and they'll give you a free pound to go with every pound you buy. And uh, that's the deal for the weekend. Uh, also, uh, they have chicken and pork. Look, it's all non-GMO. It's all uh, no hormone. It's grown on their farm in uh, Lexington. The beef is. Uh, they acquire the chicken and the pork from other uh other people who do it the same way, so you never have to worry about the quality of your protein. Stover Farms Custom Meats retail location is open Thursday 
Friday and Saturday. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So get steaks, get burgers, get bacon, get sausage patties, whatever you need for your tailgate. Uh, 10 to 6.30 Thursday, Friday, 9 to 4.30 Saturday, Stover Farms Custom Meats. You can find them on the web, StoverFarmsCustomMeats.com. All right, you were talking about being careful what you say. James Franklin yesterday at his press conference at Penn State was reflecting back on something he said after last year's game, and we all remember last year's game in state college. Ohio State scores twice in the last eight minutes. Yeah. They come back, they beat Penn State by one, much like they did the year before in Ohio Stadium. JT Barrett authored the uh, 2017 comeback. Dwayne Haskins, the 2018 comeback, both traced to Buckeyes coming back from two scores down in the fourth quarter, and James Franklin got frustrated last year after it happened again. And he said, and I quote, it's not going to happen again. I'm not a negative guy, but I'm going to make sure that as our program, we do everything right, and we grow every single day, and we challenge ourselves every single day, and we get uncomfortable. We get comfortable being uncomfortable and break out to that next phase. And he talked about being elite, which, of course, was an Urban Meyer buzzword, being elite. Mm -hmm. So he was asked yesterday, like, did you go too far with that? And he said, you know, there's some things uh, after a game that I probably should say just to my team, but I said it in the media, and I don't really regret it. You can look at it one of two ways. I put pressure on our program, or I demand more from our program. So I didn't really have a problem with James Franklin last year. They put a lot. Everybody, every coach why would in this, he, Why would even somebody even ask, yeah, did I you think, go too I far? I think they thought, you know, look, you put yourself in a position where if you don't beat Ohio State this year, and it's a top-10 matchup, and Ohio State's an 18-point favorite, and they should be an 18-point favorite. Uh, but I think it, it it's setting up that here's Penn State again. They're having a nice little season. They get to the point where they have to play Ohio State, and if they beat Ohio State, they get – a much easier path sure. to all their goals, but it looks like a pretty daunting task that they have. So I give him credit. He didn't take the out. He didn't say, yeah, I probably overreacted there. He's like, no, that's the standard at Penn State, and we got to live to it. I, I, I'm glad he did. I'm glad he owned it. I, In fact, I don't think he went far enough. I would say until we start learning how to win these games, we're just going to be that team that's an almost. Yeah. Almost He's beat them. That's true. And that's exactly right. And, I can't even un understand why somebody would ask that question. I don't even know how to respond to that. And, and I think putting pressure on a program is the exact way to get kids to grow. I mean, you need to put pressure on kids and hold them to a certain standard mm -hmm. if they're going to play at a place like Penn State. Now, if Penn State doesn't beat Ohio State, uh, and that means James Franklin is trouble, I think that's insane. Look at Penn State's program before – James Franklin came. It was it was a program of mediocrity. Yeah, it had trended toward that in the last years of Joe Paterno. Yeah. And Bill O'Brien, look, it was unprecedented what they had to build from with the Jerry Sandusky, horrific Jerry Sandusky scandal and the penalties the NCAA imposed. Bill O'Brien did a, did a good job. Uh, and then we don't know if he would have done a great job because he his heart was probably always in the NFL. And he ended up with the Houston Texans. I think he would have done a great job at Penn State. Yeah. So uh, Franklin is doing, I think, a a really good job. I can't say you're doing a great job until you uh, become the dominant team in your division. Uh, they have become the second best team in the Big Ten East. And while there's no disgrace in that, given how great Ohio State has been, I mean, look, they've won ten games, eight consecutive seasons. I was thinking about this. For Penn State to win this game, do you know how many Big Ten games Ohio State has lost at home? Big Ten games they've lost at home <laughs> since Urban Meyer came to Ohio State. I don't One? One. Michigan State. Yeah. That's it. One Big Ten home loss. So it's pretty hard to get over that mountain. 
So I don't give you a pass for not getting over the mountain. You can get close to the top of the mountain, but eventually it's all about, did you scale the mountain? And that's the standard at Penn State. At yeah. the standard at Michigan, that's the standard, I think, at Michigan State, although you know, I'd say if they do it once every five to seven years, that's probably all they're going to get. But it is a big high mountain to get over because Ohio State's never out of it. There's a been a there's been a like and Bill Rabinowitz brings this up every week almost at Brian Day's press conference and it's fine. Uh, Bill always says, you know, you haven't been in one of those four quarter games yet. You haven't been. You haven't been. Are you going to be able to handle it? How do you know you're going to be able to handle it? Well, I got to thinking yesterday. Um, they've been in those against Penn State and they've not panicked and they've pulled everything off. And so I asked Ryan Day yesterday. How do you do that when things aren't working? How do you get things to work all of a sudden when you don't have any more margin for error? Improvement in sports is related somewhat to Oh, I, I, I am just awful is... at hitting the right hotkeys. That's uh, something I'm saving for a little bit later on. What's the matter the with podcast. you? I need an engineer, and I had a guy email me and say, hey, I'll come and be your engineer. So, get one of the, the German Shepherd out there. He can probably push Roxy, the right button. Roxy to come yeah, in just... here, push the right button. <laughs> I don't know. Roxy barks at you every single time you come, so Roxy's probably not real bright. How do you handle f- <laughs> that? I mean, maybe he, is Bill just referring to this year's team? Yeah, this or, year's team. Okay. You know, but and these I mean, guys his, have all been there. So. His point is not wrong. His point is not wrong that you know you haven't been in that. But Ryan was like, Ohio State's team was in it every game last year. Yeah, Ryan's getting to the point where he's like, well, you know, it's a nice problem to have. It is a nice problem to have, to have your starters standing next to you on the sideline in the fourth quarter. And I think, you know what? I think they're going to be standing next to him halfway through the fourth quarter on just, Saturday. It does, just doesn't mean that they're – I mean, these these guys are oblivious to that. I can, I can say, I think, from some experience and just watching that, you know, great players don't all of a sudden wilt under pressure when this team has been refined by pressure, maybe not this year, but last year. In every big moment so far – uh, Justin Fields has responded to those big moments, has he not? Oh, my goodness. 41 touchdowns accounted for, so, three turnovers, one interception, two fumbles. And I would say, and I mean, this team still, and I made this proclamation, was it week one or week two, where this could be the greatest team in Ohio State history? I think you were supremely restrained and held off till week three or four. Really? Because I think I said Indiana week. They're a playoff team. They're going undefeated. Nobody's going to touch them. Okay. That was about week four. You yeah. started in, like, yeah, I think it was after Indiana, 51 to 10. Which, by the way, 51 to 10 at Indiana, Penn State Saturday played Indiana, and they had to drive the length of the field at the end to keep the ball away from Indiana to stay out of danger of losing at home to Indiana. Yeah. And there's so a, that's why I think this game Saturday is over at halftime. Well, they, I mean, they have some pretty good players. I like the quarterback. Nobody else seems to like the quarterback. Somebody tweeted me and said two position groups that concern you, or a few. The tight end's a really good player. Tight end's really good. For the, I think really the quarterback's good. going to be really good. I really do, and I think he's good enough to hurt you. And it's, If he has a great game and everything goes right for Penn State. Penn State. Sean Clifford, St. X, and Cincinnati. Hey, listen, here's, here's, here's the Ohio State-Penn State matchup. Ohio State's a great team. Great teams will play good sometimes, but they never play average. And they'll play great most of the time. Penn State's a good team. Mm-hmm. We'll play average sometimes, we'll play good, and sometimes they will play out of their mind great. They have that potential on the defense, uh, some of their, their skill positions. I don't know if Hamler's playing or not. He'll play. I, I can't yeah. believe he won't play. But they have that potential to be great, and that's the one thing that concerns me. And 
Uh, plus Clifford running. I think a kid can run. I think he's he plays with. He's a fierce competitor. He's not afraid to make tough throws. I do think they have some skill positions. So by far, it will be the biggest challenge that Ohio State faces this year, uh, up until now, because I think their biggest challenge is coming against Michigan, and I keep watching them, and they keep getting better and better on both sides of the ball in the quarterback. Thankfully, Harbaugh didn't listen to you if you're a Michigan fan. You will never know because how do you know take Dylan McCaffrey <laughs> wouldn't have played better? I don't think he can do the things that Shea Patterson does mm-hmm. and what he's doing right. I mean, that's just the facts. I mean, they've gotten better in ever since my pep talk. Yeah. And ever since my it's free advice. Fault. It's your fault. It is my fault. You if, woke him up. If, if Michigan beats Ohio State, that's on me. Yeah, it is. Totally on you. Because, because I apparently caused a stir up in Michigan. Well, Harbaugh was out of ideas. Giving him truth. At halftime of the Penn State game, he was out of ideas. He was like, all right, call up the Spielman and Hooley podcast. Play the Spielman pep talk. <laughs> they came out in the second half playing like gangbusters. And had there you go. Sense. And we'll see if they do Saturday at Indiana. Because I'm putting them on upset alert. Saturday no at way. Indiana. No way, dude. Okay. We'll see about that. No way. We'll see about that. Uh, here is the aforementioned Ryan Day cut about communication in crisis. When the Buckeyes were trailing Penn State, what, after nothing going right for them, all of a sudden started to go right for them? You know, it's just communication. Just trying to figure out, like, do we need new plays or are the plays working? We're just not executing them very well. Uh, and when you go against good defenses, things like that happen. So I wondered, in those situations, by definition, what you're doing is not working or you wouldn't be down. So are you, in a, as a play caller in those situations, are you thinking, all right, what's on page 35 of the playbook rather than the first couple that I plan to use this week? Are you looking for something you haven't tried? Or are you, how do you make a judgment on, no, no, this is good. What we plan to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will work. We just have to do it a little differently. Yeah, I think that's the art of coaching is figuring out, is it the right thing that we just need to execute better or is the play no good? Um, and that's based on you know the different styles of defense that you play against, and and then measuring the plays that your guys know, and then you know trying to you know give the defense something new to look at. What's it been in these two games, like the play to Ben Victor and the J.K. screen pass, and were those things that you had tried and they just worked better? Uh, I mean, those were executed well, but then there were all, also a lot of calls in there that um, you know we wish we had back that really schematically weren't great. And then some other ones that were pretty good ideas that we didn't execute, you know. And and then sometimes it's just the defense playing well. Um, you know, this is again, you know, a very well coached defense, and they've been the last couple of years they've been really good on defense. So uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a give and take, and you can't panic because we've had so much success that when we hit a little bit adversity, we can't start reeling. You know, we just have to hang in there and and uh, keep swinging at it, and, and we'll crack it. I think they will crack it. I think well, they will crack it early. I expect a fast start because they haven't I mean, started fast the, the, the last the, two years. The problem when you play this offense is that there's so many ways to hurt you. Yep. Right, running, throwing, quarterback run, whatever you want, tight ends. So many plays matter. and so many guys. Play calling you. is you, you you understand what a defense is schematically and what mm-hmm. they're trying to do. There's analytics involved in play calling as far as okay, what downs do they like to bring pressure? Who likes to come? Why? Do, where do they come from? Who do they trust to blitz? Who don't they trust to blitz? So every play call is designed to go against the defense. A lot of times, a little bit in this offense, in most offenses nowadays, is it's a numbers game. So you have to be able to line up defensively. If you don't line up properly, then all good offenses will take advantage of you by outflanking you. For example, the screen pass. The, the quick screen out there is a lot of that is a numbers game. If you have a hat for hat, meaning you have 
They have two defenders out there and a third one in the box that's going to come out there. But you have two people out there and then a third, the guy that's catching the ball. You have a hat for a hat. Yep. And you're counting on your guy to make a guy miss. So a lot of it is recognition, and that's what I think what he's talking about, execution. The one thing that I think uh, the, the biggest improvements that I've seen from this offense this year is the offensive line is just dominating. I think they sustain blocks. I think they finish blocks. Uh, they play with an edge, and they play nasty. And I think J.K. Dobbins is a totally different back this year than he was last year. I see it uh, in how he runs. Uh, I think he uh, is playing with a lot of speed. I think he's playing stronger, and I see him making guys in the whole miss. That's the difference, in my opinion, between a good back and a, and a great back. A great back will make a guy in the whole miss mm -hmm. seven out of ten times. A good back will make a guy in the whole miss three out of ten times. Uh, we hope you review the podcast. It'll help us go to uh, iTunes and review Spielman and Hooley. You can get a tutorial at pleasereviewmypodcast.com. Search Spielman and Hooley. Or you can get uh, the Spielman and Hooley newsletter sent to you. Just go to spielmanandhooley.com. Give us your email address. We'll send you the newsletter, and that has a link to how to review the podcast. Uh, you can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. And here's one from Dan Wise. He says, since the college football playoff rankings have come out, there hasn't been much talk about the importance of being the number one seed. As you have rightfully pointed out, there are likely two teams, LSU maybe makes three, on par with Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. However, the way it stands now, Clemson's going to be the number three seed, which means if I'm OSU or LSU, I want to be the number one seed so that I avoid playing Clemson in the first game. To me, the easier path is to play Georgia, Oklahoma, or Oregon in the first round and play the toughest team, Clemson, in the championship. I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. He says it's a big deal between being one and being two, and I agree. It is a big deal this year. It is now since uh, two is hurt. I mean, that's the difference maker, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously you want the easier path. I will say this, though. Once you reach those top four teams, I mean, you're playing really good teams and really good athletes. And I think the one thing Ohio State is that when talent-wise in the Big Ten, it cannot be argued that the superior athletes over every other team in the Big Ten – no doubt. So, and, and Ryan was talking about play calling. Well, a lot of the play calling, it isn't all about play call, calling. It's about players making plays and the ball being thrown perfectly or just little things where K.J. Hill catches a little crossing route where he doesn't have to break stride and his transition from the catch and run is so smooth. Then, or Victor catching the, uh, the screen and going a distance or J.K. Dobbins breaking tackles or the offensive lining sustaining the block. The, or, or a hobble kick, or what's the Hobbio. kick? Hobbio's kicking 55-yard field goals. Yeah. I mean, that's players. Play calling and game plans only take you so much. Eventually, players will carry you over top, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. So uh, once you get to those uh, final four, as they say, Athlete-wise, they're all pretty darn good. And I measure athlete-wise or player-wise, basically, are they NFL talent? Yeah. And there's NFL talent all over the football field in those Final Four. I watched the highlights of last year's comeback at Penn State. And while J.K. Dobbins' 35-yard screen pass off the five-yard line was a big play, about 20 yards of it was J.K. Dobbins making a great cut to the left and then making a great cut back to the middle. Penn State had guys there to tackle him. He cut away from him. Ben Victor... That pass should have gone for a first down and nothing more. He yeah. broke a tackle. He weaved down the sidelines. He weaved back to the middle. 
on the game-winning drive. Third and three, they hand it to Mike Weber. Penn State has him. He breaks a tackle, first down. The K.J. Hill touchdown pass, third and five. Out in the flat, Penn State kids got him behind the line of scrimmage. Ohio State's going to have a fourth down. So, nope, he breaks the yeah. tackle, and he's in the end zone. It's a player making a play. Here's the thing. So why, Back when Rich Rodriguez is credited a lot with this when he was at Tulane, I believe, with this spread offense, spread offense yeah. right? A lot of people were, have made it their own. Urban's done some yeah. things. And why do you think these teams all are looking to run spread offenses? Because now defenses are catching up to it. But it, at one point was the great equalizer, just like the wishbone was the great equalizer, right? Well, that no longer exists because everybody in college football, a few exceptions, but most everybody's running the zone read, spread offense, spread to get the ball to your athletes in space and all that type of stuff. And and so what wins in the end and why we're seeing this is domination by Clemson in the, in the ACC. You're seeing LSU running through it, and they're a little bit of a uh, – got a little bit of everything in their offense, but Joe Burrow's been just playing tremendous. But the athletes are so much better, and that's why I made the statement uh, last Wednesday, actually, when we did the podcast that – I think there's that. Remember, I said college football is a little bit like NCAA women's basketball, where you have like 15, 10 yeah. to 15 really good teams. Mm-hmm. I think in college football, you probably have well, elite teams, maybe seven. Seven or eight, yeah. Is that fair? I think I would say that there are not elite teams right now, but there are programs positioned to be elite. Right. Maybe they get a guy injured, you know, maybe they, whatever. But I think at the start of the year, they're probably eight to 10 that are positioned with the depth of athletes and the coaching and the money and all that stuff to be elite. Uh, And Ohio State just happens to always be in that group, and they always seem to pretty close to maximize what they have. Yeah. Well, that goes goes to coaching, too. Sure, it absolutely does. All right, um, there is one school of thought uh, on the Clemson and being number one thing, and if you happen to play Clemson first, you do get longer to prepare for them than if you'd play them in the title game. You get only a week to prepare for them. I don't know, maybe too much time is a bad thing, but... Um, I think it matters. I think you're going to have to see Clemson at some point. You're going to have to. Uh, Clemson, doesn't, Clemson doesn't scare me. Like, Boy, I think they're good. I think I'm not saying I they're... I think they're really good. And I, Did you see what Herbie said about them last week? He said they're better this year than last year, yeah. which I'm scratching my head well, over that. the quarterback is playing better. Without uh, Cleveland Farrell, without that D-line, I don't know how they can be better. Uh, but you know they got the big tall receivers. They got a great running back. They got a great quarterback. They've got a championship pedigree. Mm-hmm. They have a really good back seven. That's why I think they're going to be hard for Ohio State Could to be a beat tough out yeah. relative to LSU. Who I think Ohio State can. Ohio State has LSU the, was uh, exposed uh, a little bit last yeah, they, week. Yeah, Ohio State's got the ability to outscore LSU. When you see Ole Miss running on LSU, you think, hey, J.K. Dobbins and Justin Fields could do that yeah. all night long. Um, and Georgia, I don't think Georgia can put up enough points. To beat Ohio State, Oregon, no, they can't hang physically. Uh, Oklahoma can't hang physically on defense. Although that was a great comeback that uh, Jalen Hurts engineered mm-hmm. um, after throwing three picks. Yeah, well, uh, I think it was two Being picks mentally, and a fumble. Well, yeah. what three turnovers? But yeah. men- mentally tough to come mentally back from tough. that. Yeah. Mentally tough and not yes. being swayed. And I loved it. I love guys that can do that. All right, uh, before we move on to reviews and the faith corner, uh, you have not had the opportunity. I've not had the opportunity to talk with you about the. Um, egregious occurrence a week ago tonight. Miles Garrett swinging his helmet, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Browns. Uh, I predicted at the time he was done for the year. He is done for the year. I think the NFL discipline is uh, fair. Uh, the only thing I would say is I think Ogan Joby deserve more than a game because 
There was no point in Ogunjobi doing what he did, hitting Mason Rudolph. But your thoughts on Miles Garrett? I don't know if you ever had the chance to interact with Miles or just that whole circumstance. Okay. Uh, I understand frustration. I really do. I understand losing your composure on a game in the field and during a football game. Even I've, a game you're winning and it's, I, it's like I've, 10 seconds Well, here's, here's the thing to me, okay? I, I would ask Miles this thing, okay? You know, I don't know if he had to take Mason down there. He didn't know that he didn't throw the ball, whatever, okay? I, I don't have a problem with that. All right, I've had guys do things to me mm-hmm. at the, when somebody was on top of me that I can't speak of because it's horrific and you know punching and in areas and grabbing and claw my eyes out trying to choke me. All right, so you get very upset. So I understand why he got upset, but when you cross the line is okay, I get Mason's trying to take your hel- helmet off. All right, you take his helmet off, fine. Then just throw the helmet, take whatever it is in frustration. But to then lose your mind to the point of using the helmet as a weapon crosses any line that should be crossed. It never should have happened. Then if people are complaining about the retaliation uh, against Miles Garrett from pouncing those guys, I got to tell you something. The truth of this is if those offensive linemen did not retaliate in a similar way, now, I'm not saying beat him with a helmet, but come after. The kicking was over the line. It, it, yeah, fine, they, he got yeah. suspended for that, yep. but it, the guy's not in danger of crushing somebody's skull no. because he's kicking a dude with a helmet on. Or punching him. The only thing he's in danger of is breaking his own hand yeah. or breaking his foot. Yeah. So, you know, you have to look at it like that. But the, the Steelers' offensive line have to have an appropriate response or they will be ostracized mm-hmm. forever. If, yeah, I mean, it's like hockey, right? If you hit the – I don't know hockey, but I'm assuming if you hit the star player, there's a price to pay. You're going down. You, yep. As an offensive lineman, you can't let somebody take his helmet off, and regardless of how it got there, and swing the helmet where he could uh, ultimately crush the man's skull literally. Yeah. Yeah, they had yeah. to come to the aid of their quarterback. And you so, have to. That's you, a team. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, you, if, you don't, if you don't do it, then it's it's done. You're, you're, it's over. And, and Not just, by the way, with the Steelers, but you're poisoned throughout the rest of yeah, the league. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at it, like every offensive lineman, there's a, I mean, even in practice, if somebody gets testy with a quarterback, there's fights that break out, and the offensive linemen are the protectors. That is the reality of the situation. I think what Miles Garrett did, and I, I, he acknowledged he was wrong. I think he's very, he's a lucky young man that he'll get to play football game uh, again for the fact that he did not uh, crush Mason Rudolph's skull. That football helmet weighs seven pounds. Seven pounds. That's heavier than a hammer. And and it's a big man and a strong man winding up and swinging that helmet with great, uh, great speed and velocity. If that hits your head, could you imagine... What could what could have possibly happened? Well, the the aftermath of it had he connected with the round part of the helmet rather than the bottom padded part of the helmet. Right. I mean, it just it's uh, it's, it's frightening it's, to think it, about. It is and frightening, and so and, and there's no place in the game for that. And I think that uh, I think the appropriate punishment is the rest of the season and a loss of one point two million dollars. And I hope that he's learned his lesson. The problem is that Miles, I think, had a couple issues well, with be questionable the, on dirty plays. The league and, considers him a repeat offender. And so uh, I, I just think it's unfortunate all the way around. And 
I get that it's an emotional game, but you, you have to maintain composure and make good decisions. Now, I've, people say, well, that happens all the time in practice. It rarely happens. I think the closest thing that I've seen and was one of the most uh, impressive acts of human strength that I've ever witnessed in my life. We had a defensive lineman take a rookie free agent lineman who was trying to make the team, who was playing dirty and hold him. I actually saw the defensive lineman put this man, a grown man over 300 pounds on his back, take his hand, grab his face mask, rip the face mask off the helmet. So the dude's laying on the ground, looking like he's playing in 1950 with no face mask. Then he proceeds this morning by James Thrash, the appeals guy at 930 in New York. So we'll yeah. see how that comes out. We will see. All right. Uh, let me read uh, our uh, review of the day from Pebble Beach. He says, Chris and Bruce have the best podcast hands down, all aspects, sports, family, and faith. Not necessarily in that order. Keep up the awesome work, guys. Well, we appreciate that very much. We appreciate West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating sponsoring the faith portion of the podcast. You can uh, find West Jeff Plumbing and Heating on the web at westjeffplumbingandheating.com. It's 614-879-9606. Get that fall furnace check. We're getting a decent day today, but uh, boy, it's getting cold. Maybe you haven't fired the furnace up yet, but you will, and you want it to work when you do. So get the fall furnace check from West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating. Mention the Spielman and Hooley podcast, and many of you have. Got a nice report from uh, Ivan at West Jeff Plumbing and Heating yesterday that people are calling and mentioning the podcast. We appreciate that. They'll give you up to hundreds off Lennox high-efficiency furnace products, geothermal heating, heat pump, whatever kind of heating you'll need. They'll be able to tell you. They'll be able to give you all the breakdown on your uh, monthly heating bills. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating, westjeffplumbingandheating.com, and they do service all of Central Ohio. Okay, so we always end the podcast with a faith aspect, you and I have not, uh, we don't rehearse these, and I don't know if you want to lead out today. Or did you have something today? Uh, no, I thought I'd leave today for you. I mean, I do have, but I thought I would leave today for you, just given, you know, where we are on the calendar and the fact that uh, you haven't had a chance to weigh in lately. Well, I have a couple of things. Uh, one thing that I was thinking about, and it's, it's so true, just bear with me one second mm -hmm. as I pull it up, but... Uh, I read this, and it, it caught me uh, this morning. If you can't get someone off your mind, pray for them. You may be the only one that cares enough to do so. Now, I don't know if you have any personal experience with that, um, but I do. Mm -hmm. And when I was in San Francisco, and I came across uh, many homeless people. And what I did was Shannon Spake and a guy named Scott Snyder and I went on a walk through the city and we were filming something for uh, whatever, for uh, Fox's social media platform. Mm -hmm. And as we're walking through the city, I'm, I'm looking at all these homeless people. What I decided to do was that I took seven power bars or granola bars, mm -hmm. right? And I tried to give six of them away and nobody wanted them. Hmm. And then I realized that these people that are trying to get, get away, I give them away to, it, it wasn't, there was mental health issues or mm -hmm. extreme drug abuse or whatever issues and they were and I thought to myself well should I be offended that I'm trying to give 
food to a homeless person that doesn't want the food that I'm giving it to? And I said, no, I shouldn't be offended because I don't know the struggle that this man or woman is fighting. So after each one, after about the third one, I started saying a quick prayer for them, whatever their issue is, that I hope God intervenes some way, somehow. Because I might have been that day the only person that actually cared about that person. Mm -hmm. And so it was a good lesson for me. And the first time it happened, I mean, this happened, I was like, are you kidding me here? Are you kidding me? I'm sitting here trying to be proactive. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I had extra, I mean, I just had extra power bars in my room. I said, okay, we're going for a walk. I heard about all the homeless and downtown San Francisco, let me maybe try to give these away. The first one, no, no. Second one yelled at me, uh, and the third one uh, just was out of his mind, mm -hmm. okay? And I thought to myself, what? I mean, then I tried to give the other, and I just thought to myself, look, I could be offended, which why would I be offended, right? I mean, I get it, but why would I be offended? It's clearly, these people have bigger issues than that, what's going on as, as far as wanting food. I mean... And so I just said a quick prayer for each of them that, that I walked past and, and because I didn't know what else to do. I think that's great. What You did what you can do. And I think a lot of times as I equate that to a situation where, you know, you may be praying for somebody to um, come to faith or you may be praying for a change in their life, them to turn away from a destructive behavior or whatever it is. And we put almost sometimes we put pressure on ourselves like there's something wrong with us that we're not making it happen in their lives. Yeah. Well, we can't make it happen in their life, particularly when it comes to a faith element. Uh, that is a call on their heart from the Holy Spirit. You are the person who would, let's just use the illustration, plant the seed in their life. Um, you don't make the seed grow. You can't make it grow. You can water it. You can you know do some things to try to get it to grow, but the Holy Spirit is who makes it grow. So, you're being obedient, and you were obedient in San Francisco where you were extending kindness and what comfort they were prepared to accept, and they don't have a choice to accept your prayers for them or not. No. You know? So you prayed, you know, you tried to give them something tangible, uh, and they chose not to receive it, but you didn't just write them off. You extended as much love and kindness and care to yeah. them as you could, and I think that's what that's an instruction for all of us in our life is to do what we can do, and we can always pray for people. We can always extend kindness. We can always be a listening ear. Uh, we can always um, do things like that that the other person doesn't have the control to refuse. Right. And I think that is how, you know, if you want to love someone, you have to find a way to love them in a way that um, is beneficial to them rather than to love them on your own narrowly defined terms of, well, this is how I'm going to love you. I'm going to give you food. You're not going to take it. Okay. I'm done with you. Yeah. No, that's well, not, that was my initial yeah, reaction. Yeah. Then I, you know, straightened up or, or was can, I, I like to think because, um, I do believe I'm a man of, of faith that I was convicted of what are you doing? It's, you know, I gave you this. You didn't get this yourself. I gave you this opportunity. I gave you, I'm talking, God's talking to me. I gave you this food. I gave you this opportunity. What are you doing? I mean, you getting mad or just do it without, I guess it's, it's doing it without complaining. And I, you make a great point on that people that are competitive like you and I, right. And we don't see 
maybe the change that we want in a person or situation happen, then it's we have egos that are large enough to think that it's our fault. And it's yeah, or not. we get frustrated with yeah. them. What's the matter? Don't you see what I'm trying yeah. to do for you? Yeah, yeah. And that's not what we're supposed to do. And I go back to uh, a, a lesson that uh, my late wife, Stephanie, and I tried to implement was that, look, it's it's our job to expose what we believe, but I'm never going to impose it on anybody because it's futile to impose it on anybody because right. it will not work. And I go back to First Peter 3.15, to be prepared to give a reason for the hope you have, and you do it with hope and love and kindness. You're not going to beat somebody over the head with a helmet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> little humor there, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, well, or, or hammer. Yeah, or, well, I mean, you know, really, that's the ultimate spiritual lesson, what you experienced in San Francisco. You're trying to give something to someone for free <laughs> that and they, they could use it that they need and, and they reject desperately me. need and they don't take it so that's what god does he <laughs> offers us eternal life free yeah but god doesn't get angry no he doesn't or, or but i'm saying yeah. that's that's the we we can identify sure. with his level of hurt and his level of i'm trying to help yeah. I'm trying to help you, man. I'm offering you eternal life. I yeah. gave you my son. I sacrificed my son on the cross so you could have eternal life. And it's a free gift, and all you have to do is take it. And you're not going to take it. And so that's hurtful to him. And, um, yeah, that's kind of uh, took me a while to put that together, but that's yeah. that's where we are. That's good. So I agree. Well um, done. Yeah, thanks. All right, we will uh, tackle. It's almost like more. you know what you're talking about. Almost. <laughs> well, once in a while. We will <laughs> as long tackle. As not sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or engineering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what'd you think of the new open? That's good. Okay. I, I just, your, your music choice in the open is awful. It's like you're stuck in the 60s, dude. I mean, it's like Batman music or like Austin like Powers music. Well, How's this? Well, All we'll, right. we'll I like uh, this better. We'll exit. I love her. Is this Lauren Daigle? Laura Story. Uh, I like we'll, her too. But we'll I like exit, Lauren Daigle. We'll exit with this one and we'll be back on Friday with more on Penn State and um, more on the college football playoff rankings. Have a great Wednesday. Yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise?